It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest show. It's a pleasure to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan, author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. If you've got thoughts about that or any of our podcasts or questions about e-commerce, then go and join in the conversation in our Facebook group, which you'll find via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook, or just go and search for e-commerce Master Plan World on Facebook and you'll find us. It'd be great to have you in the gang. So I want to introduce you to our special guest today. Al Gary is the founder and CEO at Zigzag Global, a genius, absolutely genius, returns management system. In this interview, though, we're going to be diving more into Al's serious e-commerce pedigree, which includes a number of household names, including Mountain Warehouse and Office Shoes, and his time as a consultant at Marketplace and International Specialist Pentagon. And of course, we're going to be getting a few tips from him about just how to make returns work for you. There is a lot we're going to be covering today, so I hope it will provide some inspiration for all of you. Um, Hi, Al. Hi, Chloe. Um, Great to have you here. And I've just given our listeners a ridiculously quick overview of you, your business, where you are at the moment, all your history. But um, take us back. How did you get started off in e-commerce? Uh, originally, I was a, a seller, so I used to retail computer cables and uh, accessories uh, on eBay and Amazon. Um, so I was uh, selling online uh, back in the very late 90s and early 2000s um, as a retailer um, before I went uh, more on a consultancy side to work with large high street retailers uh, and help them launch internationally. Wow, so you, you've been Marketplace since before many people knew Marketplace existed? Pretty much, yeah. So I wasn't the first, but I was, I was among, amongst the first. And um, I think I've been there, um, done that and sold the T-shirt. <laughs> so um, so you, have you, obviously you continued with Marketplaces through to when you were at Pentagon? Yeah, very much so. So um, I took office shoes online. They were they were one of the very first eBay outlets when eBay first started attracting uh, high street retailers uh, to sell on eBay. Um, and then I worked for Mountain Warehouse, who had at the time about 180 uh, stores worldwide, but no real uh, serious marketplace presence other than um, presence other than Amazon. Um, and it was a quite a seasonal business with um, some some products like ski wear that um, typically wouldn't sell during uh, the the summer. So uh, we launched that uh, that brand to to help them sell uh, products to places like Australia, for instance, where you you've got a different seasonal. Uh, temperature and different um, customer that you can approach all year round. So um, I work with some, some large um, high street retailers to uh, help uh, expand their international marketplace capabilities and integrate them into various software platforms. Um, so I've worked with the likes of Channel Advisor and, and Volo and, and also built my own integrations into uh, about 17 different marketplaces as well. And it's... I find I love the fact you're talking about the different reasons there for people going onto marketplaces and the pure breadth of marketplaces you've got because I think it's the 
the person who doesn't start off as an eBay, Amazon seller, so like not the FBA world and the, the eBay seller world, but the, the more tra- traditional online retailer world or retailer world, it seems to me like marketplaces for a long time was a little bit of a dirty word. And it was, oh, no, we don't do that because we don't own the customer. So we can't possibly do that. But it's almost become now more of a situation of it's a great way to improve from my from what I've seen out there, cash flow and margin, you know, when you're selling overseas at different times of the year to try and get that full price sale. Are those the two main drivers you're seeing for retailers choosing to add the marketplace arm to their business? Or are there others out there? Yeah, I think it's twofold. So, so you've got the, um, the smaller retail and it's their, their first um, re- way into retail. Mm-hmm. It's their, their first um, way of trading online. Uh, and for the larger retailers, it's adding on uh, extra revenue uh, and unlocking uh, new customers in different countries, but quite often marketplace first is a very good strategy for um, trading internationally where you may not be established. So I've worked with one brand in particular who had stores all over the UK, uh, had no presence in Germany, but within uh, six or nine months, that um, German Amazon, Amazon store was bigger than some of the stores that have been running for 15 to 20 years in the UK. So, um, you know, the, the, there's a, a lot of velocity there and you can get there very quickly and, and test and even potentially fail quickly um, without heavy investment by going marketplace first. And, you know, back, we're probably talking 2004, 2005, I was involved in helping some mail order businesses go international. And my God, the work it took to do that, you know, we had to create a website in German, we had to create a website in French, we had to buy the domain names for them, we had to, um, you know, get the everything translated, cut back the merchandising, redo the catalogue, get the stock over there, organise a call centre, we had to do all this stuff before we could even work out if it was a good or bad idea, let alone if it was going to be a great idea or not. So it it strikes me as kind of a bit of a no-brainer these days of a way to test is just kind of to do that Amazon rollout across Europe and see if there's some traction there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, marketplaces have already got the things uh, in place that you need. So they've got traffic, uh, they've got customers uh, that that are are there to buy. So they've gone onto the marketplace in order to buy. Um, They've got a payment gateway. uh, They've got a mobile solution uh, ready in place uh, and they've got trust. So they have a feedback system that um, consumers um, understand and um, can use to decide whether they want to buy from you or not. Now, I know that it is possible to literally turn on Germany overnight as um, as a friend of mine was working for a business that did that and she was running customer services. And the first she knew about the fact that they were selling in Germany was when she got German emails in German landing in the inbox. That's obviously not the best way to do it. So there's clearly a few things you do need to get sorted out before you turn on another country. Have you got, a, got a couple of, of things of what those might be for people? Um Translations uh, are incredibly important um, to make sure that um, your uh, your product is properly translated. And I don't just mean Google translated, but, it, but it's translated for the local market um, and it's regionalized to a certain extent. Um, so that, you know, in Australia, you know, thongs in Australia are flip-flops. They're not thongs as we know them in the UK. Um, so it's understanding um, the local um, customer. Mm-hmm. 
making sure that you've got your delivery uh, and your returns sorted out uh, so that you can get the product there quickly uh, with tracking wherever possible uh, and you can get the product back um, cheaply and efficiently um, if if the customer wants to return it um, and also making sure that your sizing is appropriate for the local market um, one size doesn't fit all and um, the size charts uh, for, for domestic uh, markets in the UK are not the same as the US or or Canada or uh, anywhere else in Europe. So there's a few key bits, mainly really on the on the looking after the customer side of things, aren't they? It's yeah, get, getting the information right and making sure you can get it to them easily. Yeah, so so I mean, I'd say it depends on the the size of the business, but don't be afraid to outsource that to a partner that can help you get there more quickly. You mean in terms of finding someone to do your translate, finding the expert to do the translations, the expert to do yeah. the delivery, the expert to sort out the returns? Exactly. Don't don't try and do it all yourself. Um, very much so. You know, so so hire experts in in the various fields to help you get there quicker because they've done it before and made the mistakes for you. I have to say, when it comes to internationalisation, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that front because the distract. You know, having done a couple of them the old school way in my time, the distraction it is to the business. You know, so, oh, we'll just do that. And it's like everyone's everyone's workload kind of increases 50% and no one's spending 50% more time in the office. Everyone's letting something else that's part of the core original business slide. So you both get it done better and you protect the original business if you're finding the expert to help you with that, you know, in my experience yeah. anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, Find find somebody that, that knows what they're doing uh, and don't scrimp and save on it. Um, I've... I've you know, seen retailers that come a cropper by using Google Translate and using a cheap courier and, and it just hurts their feedback. And do you see, um, obviously, you know, there's those who are doing it right, they're seeing the sales growth. Is there much of a move then to open the 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 own brand website in the business? You know, where do you, if you, if your marketplace takes off in Germany, in France, in Spain, in Australia, what's the, the next step? A business is going, great, we'll take that but we're not going to do anything else or are they taking the next step? I think that the next step should be profitability because um, quite often when you first start out going um, international, um, it's not always as profitable um, to, to do it in some markets while you have those upfront costs like your translation. Um, and certainly opening uh, your own brand website is an option, but then you've got to drive traffic to that. Um, so, you know, some real considerations around um how much traffic you need um, for for a brand that may not be established in that local market and may have no brand recognition whatsoever. Um, so, you know, is it even worth doing uh, an own branded website versus spending a bit more time making sure that marketplaces can be even better? Um, maybe a better solution for some retailers that that um, haven't got the budgets to to waste on websites that may fail. It it does quite often amaze me the number of people I speak to, who which obviously is you know it's quite a small niche those who are going international, but the number of people I speak to in that situation who, despite the fact they can't convert their UK Amazon customers where they have the brand to a UK direct customer, they seem to think they're going to convert fifty percent of their German Amazon customers to their own website the day they launch. Yeah. I agree like, with you. It's yeah. like. Do you honestly think it's that? Di- I, mean, I know there's a lot different when it comes to selling in Germany, but but customer, you know, an Amazon customer is still an Amazon customer. 
Yeah, but also selling on your own website is not free. It costs money to get traffic, you know, Google pay-per-click fees or mm. sponsored ads or whatever, um, and then various promo codes on top. And before you know it, actually the commission that you would pay to a marketplace is very similar to what you pay to sell on uh, your own website, but if you really, really cost it out. Um, so don't be afraid to invest into marketplaces and don't see that commission fee as a, as a big barrier because actually you're paying it after you sold, not an investment up front. Yeah, it's, um, it's something which I think, you know, as you probably as, as well as I get asked to do your what you think your trends are going to be for the year for various outlets. And mm. one of the things I, I was talking about back in January was that I felt marketplaces and internationalization were kind of going to going to merge in the form of a solution to the problems that people are finding with the political and economic uncertainty you know there's the fluctuating exchange rates consumers yeah. becoming a little bit harder to sell to and that with all the, the kind of the groundwork that's been done over the last few years people have now kind of op- become a little bit more open-minded to the world of marketplaces and the systems yeah. are there to go let's let's split our risk Let's get multiple countries. Let's get multiple currencies coming into our bank account, so we're less less at risk. Is that something which a Do you think I'm crazy for saying that? Um, you're you're no, more than welcome to. And two, are you seeing are you seeing that happening? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the weak pound, certainly from a UK seller's perspective, is really helping cross border trade, uh, and that I think will just continue for at least the next couple of years with with Brexit. Um, I do see it. It's becoming easier to ship abroad, so faster transit times, um, better customs clearance times in in many countries, and even higher de minimis rates. So when you import products, um, certain countries are importing the the threshold um, or or, or raising the threshold uh, to make it easier for uh, consumers to import products from abroad. So so it's a good time to be exporting. And if you look at the – the uh, the chart of where the UK is right now, we're probably about the number three um, country. So China's the biggest, the US is second, and then UK and Germany um, in terms of um, online um, gross turnover. Um, the UK is going to be well outside the top 10 in the next um, 10 years uh, as, as new markets emerge. So, so you know, countries like India, Mexico, Brazil, who've all, all got massive populations, start to um, import more and they start to buy online uh, from their mobiles uh, and they're buying from marketplaces. They're not buying from direct websites. Um, we'll come back to that in a second, but I just want to Double, double check. I'm understanding de minimis, right? Because I know some of our listeners will be going, de minimis what? Um, so the de minimis bit is the tax which the consumer is liable for, the thresh- threshold rate at which the consumer is liable for. So if I buy a product for £200 from somewhere, you know, $200 from America, do I have to pay tax on that as it comes across so in the post? It, is that right? It, it actually used to be around $200 and it's now $800. So what that means is that a US consumer can import something for five or six hundred dollars with with no extra duty to pay which actually makes it very attractive to buy from the uk with the weak pound at the moment uh previously they would have had to have paid tax if it was above a certain value plus it has the benefit of being you know if your product prices and your aovs are below a certain point it's something you can kind of take off the worry list as the retailer yeah. That's right. Yeah. And obviously, um, some some sellers can also roll in the fact that they haven't got to pay VAT on um, non-EU transactions as well. 
Cool. Now, I, I will come on to returns very, very shortly. But um, for those of you who are holding out for returns advice here, um, but you mentioned about, you know, those big growth markets, that marketplaces are a great way to get into the growth markets of India, China, etc., Brazil and, and so forth. What um, have you got just to kind of wrap up our marketplaces international? But if you just got a couple of tips for people who are going Okay, I, I'm convinced. Al, Chloe, I'm I'm convinced. I want to do international marketplaces. Where where do they start? What do they what do they where do they begin the process? I'd start with a, an English speaking marketplace if you're a, if you're, a, you're an English speaking seller. Um, so you know the US, Australia are good starting points um, because uh, it's uh, less um, expensive uh, to. You've got to pay for the translations, mm-hmm. um, and don't and don't launch into markets um, that require translations unless you've got um, good ones. So that, that's kind of a phase two. Um, I would begin on Amazon. Quite quite frankly, um, it's it's um, probably got more traffic um, than most um, marketplaces in most countries. However, uh, depending on the country you go into, Amazon isn't always the leader. Um, so certainly. Um, if you, if you look at the core European countries uh, and the US, Amazon comes out in front. If you look at places like China and Japan, then Amazon is a long, long way behind and you, you need to look at uh, Tmall and Rakuten. Okay, cool. Right. Well, let's talk returns now because returns is a subject which is close to my heart because as as many people in, in our position now that will know, you often go around a retailer's warehouse and there's this stack of unloved boxes in the corner, which... For the retailer, they see it's a problem and I'm there looking at it. That's money. That's potentially profit and cash flow and money. So um, so do you want to tell us, give a, have you got a few tips as you're a, you're a global returns genius? Have you got a few tips for, for our, our listeners on how they can make their returns program work for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say make it easy. Don't um, don't hide your returns policy. Uh, so try and consider a longer returns period uh, and include your returns information on your confirmation email. So thank you for shopping with uh, this retailer. Um, you know, if you want to return your item, click here. Um, you know, don't hide the information. Um, I would add uh, returns or exchange uh, tick boxes on the inbound labels as well to make um, the processing a lot faster uh, so that um, you can prioritize uh, the channel the product was sold on. So if, if there's feedback involved, you're, you're focusing on those orders as they come back more quickly than you would if, uh, if it was a website order. Wow. So you'd, so you'd, um, you'd prioritize processing the returns based on Amazon, et cetera, while you, while you get killed for bad reviews to your own website, to the phone and postal orders. As yeah, such. definitely. definitely. So, wow. so, but, but it's just a simple box on the front of the label just to make it really obvious as to which channel that was sold on. So if it says AMZ, you know that you've got to deal with that first. Um, so if you, are, if you are faced with a pile of returns, get through them quickly. Um, I'd also look at improving your dispatch notes. So um, making sure that um, there are reason codes available for consumers to uh, tell you why they're returning items so you don't keep on making the same mistake and selling the same product over and over again that it comes back again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, really important to control the cost of the returns. So don't let the consumer decide how to send it back to you um, by um, letting the customer send it back, special delivery or something like that. You know, you need to uh, take a bit more control over providing a label for that consumer that helps 
get that product back cost efficiently uh, and ideally with tracking. Um, make sure that the dispatch notes are in the correct language. Um, frequently, I've seen retailers who can't deliver products to places like Russia, uh, and it's simply because the, the postman doesn't read English. You know, he'll read Cyrillics, um, he won't read English, and the product would have got right to the, the, the last mile, but not to its final destination, uh, and it comes back undelivered. Um, just because the customer speaks English doesn't mean the postman does. Um, definitely look at a localized returns address. So it's a requirement for some marketplaces, actually. Um, so people like Zalando and uh, Amazon require you to have a local marketplace uh, returns address before you uh, can even start trading. Um, so it's much faster to return locally um, and easier to get the uh, consumer refunded if the product is back in the uh, the warehouse more quickly. So, you're, uh, so if someone's looking to get that sorted out for themselves what they're really looking for is not just a warehouse that will take in their returns and ship them to them as soon as they've got a pallet full, but someone who will process those returns so the customer service stays really good. Yeah, precisely. So ideally, you need to know what was in that parcel um, going out and then do that through a portal coming back so so that if the consumer says, I want to return an item, you know which item's coming back uh, and you know a reason why from collecting that information. Uh, and then you can issue the refund when the product is still in the local country. So if um, if it's a UK retailer selling out to a German customer, uh, that product could be refunded on day one when it hits the uh, German warehouse rather than um, – further down the line when it hits the UK warehouse, uh, which is a much better customer experience. Okay, cool. Uh, we've got time for one more of those returns, piece of returns advice, if you've got one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would experiment with free versus paid returns. Um, free returns most definitely increase your sales. Um, returns are not free. Everybody knows that. So if you can reduce the cost of those returns in the first place, uh, then you will see a, a real benefit to offering a free return and a higher trust level from your customer. Excellent. Because at the end of the day, guys, it's all about giving the customer that great service, but making sure that the profitability still works in your favour, of course. Okay, it lets after those that set of fantastic tips about returns, it's time for the top tips round. Now I love the top tips section, as you all know, because it gives us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Al, first up, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Uh, I would say it would have to be How to Get Rich by Felix Dennis. Ooh, what does that, uh, obviously, I was going to say, what's that about? Well, clearly it's going to be about how to get rich, but can you tell us a bit more about it? Uh, yeah, he, he was a, a publishing um, genius and he, he made his fortune selling computer magazines back in the 1980s. Um, but I think any anything you can learn from that book can be applied to any business, not just a, an online business. Um, and he, he makes you really think about what you're building as a business um, He's not going to necessarily give you a manual on how to get rich um, step by step, but but tips along the way that, that you can apply to your own business. Uh, and it's a really fantastic read, actually. It's a funny book. Oh, cool. Funny always helps, I find. Uh, okay, the traffic top tip then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Free returns. Simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. 
you will, you'll get more traffic, uh, more customers, and higher conversion if you offer free returns. An excellent piece of advice, uh, as I'm sure will this next one be. Uh, the tool top tip, Al, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, we use a, a, a program called Jira, J-I-R-A, uh, which is uh, was introduced to me by my developers who use it to keep the development on track, uh, but it can be used in other applications for to-do lists and um it is definitely um, very useful if you're building um, software or trying to launch various stages of a project. Oh, cool. Not one I've heard of before. We get a lot of project management tools, but I don't, I'm 99% certain we've never had Jira before. So that's another one to add to our lists. Um, the startup top tip then, finally, if you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? Uh, launch on marketplaces first, uh, but if you don't know what you're doing, outsource Cool. Um, and presumably launch our marketplaces first because you'll get that customer feedback or simply for the sales? I think you'll get the traffic more quickly than if you tried to do it yourself. Um, but obviously pay attention to the feedback because it can kill you if you don't get it right. That's why you might need some help doing it um, first off. Okay. Brilliant. Well, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Al, before we say goodbye, you've been like incredibly generous with all your insights and advice around marketplaces, international and returns today. And I've barely given you a chance to mention ZigZag, which, as I said at the beginning, has a is a phenomenal return system. So do you want to just let people know very quickly what ZigZag do and where they can find you and uh, ZigZag on the web and social media? Absolutely. Uh, we're a software platform uh, that connects uh, major retailers to a global network of warehouses. Um, uh, we're in over uh, 130 countries now, uh, and our, our mission, if you like, is to help retailers become more sustainable uh, while they, they cut costs. Um, so we can save you up to 50% on the cost of your returns, uh, improve the, the uh, speed of customer refunds, and make sure that stock gets back in the supply chain more quickly. So we're literally saying that if a customer, if you're a UK business and a customer in Australia returns something, it comes into your warehouse, gets processed, packaged, ready to go back out, can be listed on your website or dealt with in other ways. That's right. And you handle the whole thing for the retailer. Yeah. So we'll provide a a customer facing returns portal to get that item back through, uh, let's say, Australia Post. And then that will come into our Sydney warehouse. We'll make that product um, available for resale. So we'll we'll grade that product. We'll tell the retailer uh, you're safe to refund the customer. And then we can even ship that out to a new customer in Australia without the cost of bringing that all the way back around the world. So massive time savings, customer annoyedness savings, money savings, and generally just just all around a, a great service. Yeah, I mean, particularly it's um, very relevant to the fashion industry. Um, we work with some high street and pure play fashion retailers, and some of those have uh, returns rates of um, 30, 40, even 50%. Um, and in Germany, that could be as high as 70%. Um, so if you've got 70% of your stock off sale at any one time, uh, there's a real onus on you to get that back on sale more quickly and uh, more cheaply and more efficiently. Excellent. And now where can the listeners find out about um, ZigZag? 
So we're at www.zigzag.global uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at, Z- at Zigzag Global. Excellent. Well, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we've talked about in today. Ooh, talked about today in the show notes. Uh, Masterplan World. You can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or just head to the website, click on the podcast tab, or use the search box. Al, thank you so much for being on the show today and um, being so generous with your various areas of expertise. It's been been really useful. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Chloe. So a couple of little masterclasses there from Al's varied experience around the world of marketplaces and using those for international selling to reduce those exchange rate risks many of us are experiencing at the moment. And also, of course, those all that experience he's had doing those things, working with those high street fashion retailers that have led him to create um, ZigZag Global and the amazing returns advice he gave you. Just follow a couple of those returns, hints, hints and tips, and you'll improve the profitability and improve the orders, uh, the order taking at the beginning. Returns is a bit like free delivery. It's a bit like delivery in general, really. It can help you both get a customer and it can help you re- retain a customer as well. So it's well worth making sure you've got it right. Do you have some strong opinions on returns international or marketplaces? Well, if you do, come and start a discussion about it in our Facebook group. It's the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group and you'll find it either by searching for it on Facebook, strangely enough, or via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. If you love what you're hearing on the show, please do share it with your e-commerce friends. Email, snail mail, in your returns parcels, maybe. I'm not sure that entirely works. Um, but however you want to spread the word, it would be great because I want to get this this great knowledge out to um, to many more people. And of course, if you really want to go for it, then you could put a review on iTunes for me. Um, have a great week, everyone, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.